Ronananian. The problem they're having is that as the sensors age and they degrade slightly, they're not as crisp and as sharp in terms of change as they once were. I'm a joker, I'm a smoker, I'm a midnight toker. I sure don't want to hurt no one. The Car Doctor. You know why the British drink warm beer? Because they listen to the Car Doctor show? No, because Lucas, the guys who make electrical systems for Jaguar, also make refrigerators. Really? Uh, yeah, so they don't, they don't, they don't, nothing they do works. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the Car Doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, it's time to start your engines. 855-560-9900. Ron and Andy, the car doctor, at your service. Here to help you solve your automotive problem, whatever you've got going on, 855-560-9900. As I've said before, that number's 24-7. You can give us a call, leave a message if we're not on the air. We are here on the radio network across this country on the affiliates. Uh, Saturday afternoons between 2 and 4 p.m. Eastern Time. But the 855-560-9900 has a 24-7 number service that uh, Tom Ray, our executive producer, or Motorhead Matt, our new associate producer, will call you and uh, hook you up and get you in queue uh, for the next live broadcast the following week. More information about this radio show as well as podcasting to download manually at cardoctorshow.com. We're also streaming from there if you want to stream the show from cardoctorshow.com, as well as you can get out to tune in iHeart, iTunes, and uh, subscribe and um, you know just take everything you want. Uh, you know, and click and take the podcast with you wherever you want to go. It was a uh, full moon week at RA Automotive this week, and um, there's just no other way to describe it as I begin to tell you these series of stories. And yeah, she's come undone, and she, didn't know what she had. I thought what she was it was too late. It really was too late. So we were working in the shop, and it all happened on Friday, yesterday. And I realized, you know, it just it was just can I see you up front, please? Yes. And it was it was an old time customer that you know, you you part of being in a repair shop, you get to know everybody and you, you can see how you know, listen, you go through the births, you go through the divorces, you go through the deaths. Um, you know, you go through a lot of things in a repair shop. You get to know people. And here's a long-term customer that I knew something wasn't right the last couple of years. It was something just, you know, it was something was coming off the tracks. And yesterday's conversation was she had walked to the shop in the rain because she parked the car a, a, a couple of blocks away because there was a tracking device put in the car that was placed there by them that she didn't want them to know the car was at the shop because she was afraid they would come down and hurt me and she was protecting me and she was just there to give me the title to the car that she would then go home after that. And all I had to do was give her a ride home. Um, and... Uh, you know, and I'm just trying to fix cars. I mean, I just got to get through my day and fix the pile. And I'm trying to explain to her why, you know, I can't leave and I can't give you a ride home. 
And at that moment, when I said, I can't give you the ride home, Carpenter Bob walks in because he's working uh, on the shop on a couple of things. He's my perpetual handyman. And he just heard the part about somebody needed a ride home. And Bob's like, I'll give you a ride home. I'm like, no, Bob, you can't, you can't give her a ride home. It doesn't, it doesn't work like that. Um, he says, why not? And I said, well, you got to fix the thing in the back room. What thing? you got to fix the boiler in the back room. Go look in the back room, Bob. Get out of here. And then Bob leaves. And right around the time where she said she was poisoned by her family, that's when I called the cops. Because I kind of took that as pretty serious, you know, like what's really going on here. And, you know, it's sad. It's, it's, we kid about it, but it's, it's a sad state of affairs. But I think it also highlights the responsibility of what a repair shop is to a lot of communities. And we talk about how auto repair, if it weren't here, what would it look like? And, you know, to a degree, sometimes an auto repair shop is like that corner store, that, 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 that crisis center to a degree of, you know, where people feel comfortable and safe. And I guess that's, I took that as that. And that's what this individual felt like there. And we brought the police in and they determined that, you know, something was wrong. The, the meds weren't working or something. And um, they took her away to the hospital and they put her in an ambulance and off she went. Of course, you know, listen, and I'll say it like this. Walking out the door, she looked at me and she said, thank you for getting me help. I'll be back in 18 days when they let me out. So if I'm not here in two weeks um, or three weeks, you know what happened. Uh, you know, it's I'm thinking of going backpacking. Somebody on Facebook offered to take me hiking into the woods uh, where there's no cell service. But I say, with my luck, I'll hear banjo music. So I'm just not going to take anybody up on that at all. Um, but, uh, yeah, that was this week. And then this was yesterday. And then after that... As just as I think things, and this this is a full moon show, so I, it's okay to talk about this stuff. What goes on in a repair shop? We always talk about that. And then after that, here comes the red Ford Fusion down the road doing clump, 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 and I'm looking up and I realize. You unlock this door with the key of imagination. Beyond it is another dimension, a dimension of sound, a dimension of sight, a dimension of mind. You're moving into a land of both shadow and substance, of things and ideas. You've just crossed over into the Twilight Zone. And we really did, because here comes this red Ford Fusion with two flat tires on the right side. I mean, completely shredded, just nothing left. And the tire is now wrapping itself up under the wheelhouse. So it kind of lifts the car up about, you know, eight inches. So it's clump, clump, coming down the road. And it's a it's a regular customer that I recognize. And, I, you know, the proverbial little old man, mid-70s, maybe, maybe late-70s, and he gets out of the car. And he just about falls down when he gets out of the car because he's so nervous, the poor guy, that he didn't realize he didn't have his walker with him. And I had to catch him in the parking lot. And, you know, he tells me, I think I have a problem. Well, let's see. The car's sitting, you know, it's it's down probably about a foot and a half on the right side because it's got two flat tires. Uh, yeah, I think you've got a problem, too. And, you know, it turns out that he had hit a curb about six and a half, seven miles away, and he figured he'd drive over to, you know, he didn't want to bother anybody to get a tow, and he figured he'd save the price of a tow and, you know, this whole long story. And the question was, do you think you can fix the tires? I need the car today. I, there's nothing left. They're shredded like lettuce. There's I can fix them, but it's going to be two tires, a set of tire pressure sensors, I'm sure, in alignment. The right wheel is kicked to the right. The left wheel is going straight. Um, 
I, and I just, I just, I looked at Bob who was working in the back bathroom. Um, I, I said, "Is it a full moon today?" It's just, it's just like insaneoville. Um, and in between, we fixed all our cars. We did fix all our cars, and we did get out of it. And I guess the point I'm trying to make is sometimes what you get in a repair shop far exceeds what you expect in terms of it's not just repairs. And we can all laugh about this, I guess, to a degree and say, wow, um, you know, truth is stranger than fiction. But it also demonstrates the point of what people, what you, it made me realize what you, the motoring public, see in the choices you take and make on where you're going to bring your car to get it serviced. And I think that's something not to be discounted in that you will go to extremes to protect your repair shop and to deal with them. Um, sometimes you'll drive seven and seven miles on bad tires, on no tires, just to get it there for fear of having to take it somewhere else. And I think that says a lot. Um, it is a little humorous and it's a little sad and dramatic all at the same time um, that, you know, but it did, I will say this, it did open my eyes and I was able to contact this gentleman's family and we're going to get him an aid now. And um, so I guess that was two yesterday that I saved um, in between fixing the seven cars. So, uh, you know what? I did walk away with a good feeling. I walked away with a feeling of relief. Um, I did walk away with a feeling of I need a rum and Coke uh, at six o'clock. And that's a whole nother conversation because boy i tell you what i don't need a drink often i needed a drink yesterday to settle my nerves it's uh you know like holy cow but anyway that was the day in the shop that was a full moon show so i realized this could be a full moon show too um but so far it's been pretty common um pretty common normal we'll see how the rest of this hour pans out 855-560-9900 i'm running eating the car doctor crisis counselor auto mechanic and radio host extraordinaire here to take your calls right after this The car doctor, 855-560-9900 is the phone number. Um, You know, we talk a lot about the future and how the Internet will intertwine with automobiles and everything's going to be autonomous. And a lot of the topics we talk about, recent press release came out, All Data has teamed up with Google. And I thought this was very interesting. All data, obviously, we all know is world-class uh, reference information for mechanical shops, body shops, and so on. All data has teamed up with Google's automotive marketing team to offer a content one-hour webinar on online marketing practices for automotive repair shops this coming July 27th. The presentation will be delivered by Google product specialist Matt Kristofik. I hope I'm pronouncing that name right. The webinar is free, and All Data has sent this invite to their customer database of more than 100,000 shops. Uh, you know, you start to look at it, right? Look at the interaction. Look at how the involvement of the internet is 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 just it's just everywhere. Um, you know, I couldn't imagine All Data and Google working together, and then they started doing All Data started doing searches within their database that kind of struck me like a Google search. And now you see them working together. You can see the influence that Google is having on the automotive world as well as other places. But uh, from our conversation point today. Um, look at the impact and look at how all that is smart enough to pick up on it and work with them. So um, just just really cool stuff. I imagine there's more information at their website, alldata.com, but, uh, you know, or maybe at Google's as well. But if you're a repair shop and you want to, about marketing practices, you want to learn something, uh, look into that a little bit further. I'll try and post this information up on our Car Doctor Facebook page, but uh, 
clearly all data and Google working together. Some neat stuff. Let's get over to Pete in Iowa, 07 Chevy Suburban and some electrical problems. Pete, you're on with the car doctor. How can I help, sir? Hey, Ron. Thanks for your time today. It's a pleasure to talk to you. You're welcome. How can I help? I've got uh, got an 07 Suburban. I've got two electrical issues. I don't know if they're connected or not. Um, First one is the daytime running lights on this car. uh, When you power the car down, uh, you know, they should go off on a timer after so many seconds, and they don't always shut off. In fact, they'll sometimes stay on all night long. Uh, Next time, they'll shut off just like they're supposed to. Um, Second issue is the cruise control. Seems like it turns on and off fine, but it won't always set and engage. Okay. And so I don't know, again, if those are connected issues or if they're two separate issues. Do you think that the problems occurred at the same time? I would say similar time, yeah. Okay. Uh, What's been done to try and repair it? Anything? Uh, No, nothing yet. All right. The first thing you need to do is do a complete vehicle scan. And when I when I okay. say that, you know, we don't want to look at OBD2, not in this case. We want to look at everything. We want to look at every module on the vehicle. All right. I would treat it as, just as you're describing, I would treat it as two problems with possible a similar solution. This could be a BCM, a body computer module problem. This could also be something as simple as a switch issue for the lights and a bad brake light switch uh, for the cruise control problem. Does it have a P0573 fault code, which would not be uncommon for this, causing the brake light switch input to always read on so it would never set cruise? Uh, you know, Do you have access to any kind of a scan tool, Peter? I do. Um, you know, What you want to do as far as cruise input, what's, what scan tool are you using? Let me ask that question. It's a, it's a snap-on scanner. Okay. Um, so snap-on, what is it, a Solus, a Modus, a... Um, Oh boy, I'm sorry. I don't know off the top okay. of my head. Okay, but if it's a snap-on, it should be it should be something fairly newer, newer that you should be able to go in and do a system scan, and and look at all the controllers, and you know okay. see see what they come back with. Now you know depending upon what you see there, you know we'll dictate which way do we go. If we've got fault codes for crews and we've got fault codes in light circuits, let's diagnose those accordingly. The other real simple test you can do here is you know take it down the road, bring up the brake switch PID, all right, and see what it says. Does it does it show the brake lights? You know, is it recording the brake lights as being on, as if you were depressing the pedal and the switch was on, or does it recognize the okay. switch? Is the switch in a you know? Can you is the switch showing off? Step on the brake pedal, it goes on. Boom, done. We're past that. Let's go on to the next thing. Um, brake lights, okay. brake light switches are very very common on those vehicles for cruise faults. And be careful where you pick the switch from. Make sure it's a good quality piece. A lot of the a lot of the aftermarket, the cheaper aftermarket pieces, just don't seem to hold up. So oh, ju- okay. just just okay. be aware. Do you have an O'Reilly Auto Parts near you? Yes, we do. Um, you know, you you'd probably want to go down to your local O'Reilly Auto Parts and ask them for one of their better quality switches. Uh, you know, see what they have. And the nice thing about O'Reilly, I find, is when talking to them, they know what works, they know what doesn't. They get it. Sometimes people are looking for a lesser price part, but if you're looking for, you know, if you're looking for the good stuff, they'll tell you that too, and they'll tell you, yeah, this brand sure. works. Keep it, use it, so on and so forth. If it turns into a brake switch problem, um, if it becomes a body module issue, keep in mind also that you are going to have to have that flashed, meaning that unless you find a module for exact production options on that vehicle, 
you're going to have to flash it with software and a, and a separate uh, set of tools to bring it up to level for that vehicle. You're, you're, familiar, okay. you're familiar with what I'm talking about? Um, I am. When yeah, I say flash, I okay, yeah. Um, um, but it would not be uncommon. Now, to your advantage, there are some places out there, I don't remember names off the top of my head, uh, with used DCMs, and you can probably find something based on your VIN or BCM number where maybe the flash will be built right into it. You won't have to go through that um, you know, the process of having it okay. flashed. Okay. The other option you've got, and this just became available to us here in New Jersey, our local parts house, uh, Bywise, otherwise known as Samuels, um, has contracted with Drew Tech. Do you know who Drew Tech is? Drew- no, I'm not familiar with that. All right. Drew Tech, Drew Technology is probably the industry's leader in terms of reflashing. They now have remote access or wrap access uh, flashing where um, there is a it's a box probably the size of a laptop maybe a little bit bigger that repair shops are being allowed to use and and Bywise has purchased six of these they're going to start handing them out to the up you know to the better accounts to the guys that have been to school and training and they're going to give them the ability to do flashing of all modules all levels right in the shop it's kind of a neat feature and uh, I think it's something that you're going to see from the better parts houses across the country because flashing is becoming such a you know it, it it's a necessary evil now at this point. Um, you know, it, it, it has to be done. Sure. Um, so, you know, depending upon if 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 you're not the mechanic, if you have a mechanic, depending upon who he deals with, they may have access to the Drew Tech RAP program as well. And that's another alternative. That's another way that you can go about this if it becomes a BCM. All right, sir. Okay. Well, so, thank you so much. You're very welcome. Let us know what you find. If you have any other questions, you know where to find me. Will do. Thank you. You're very welcome. Good luck to you, Pete. Um, flashing is clearly the way of the future and in the case of that 07 suburban it it it, understand this there were so many options there were so many possible scenarios of interior lights delays timers um, add-on accessories they don't do it with hardware anymore they make one box and they just do it with software and the software gets installed and it runs down its list it's got this 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 it doesn't have that 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 and that's how they make it work and uh come to the light of day, so to speak. No pun intended. 855-560-9900. Ron and Amy, the car doctor. We're up for the last half hour. I'll be back right after this. Don't go away. Car doctor, we're in for the money run now as we uh, get ready for this next half hour. Let's go over and talk to Fred Chicopee Mass, 91 Nissan Sentra at 855-560-9900. Fred, you're on with the car doctor. How can I help? Yeah, I got a distributor problem. Okay. It's uh, seeping oil into the distributor cap for some reason. Okay. Um, I was wondering if you ever saw that before. It's got a one six. Yeah, back in the day, we saw lots of that. It was the internal seal in the distributor, and the distributor generally needed to be replaced. Oh, so I got to replace the whole distributor, huh? Yeah, now, you know, this was, gee, Fred, it's been a while since we've seen 91 Nissans. Let's face it, it wasn't yesterday. Um, you know, but even then, uh, you know, there was, I think at one point there was a separate seal available, but I'm going to say by now they're probably all gone and you're going to end up having a difficult time finding anything new. It's probably going to become a remand distributor from your local O'Reilly Auto Parts uh, that you're going to want to deal with. And, um, uh, just replace the assembly itself. Is it is it 
soaking. It's coming out of the inside of the cap, correct? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Because I I had a problem with it. it started skipping, and I thought well, this car is good. You know, it sounded like a popcorn maker. I was like, right. what's going on here? Right. Just just so, just be mindful. You know that it isn't excessive crankcase pressure. High mileage on the car. Yeah, it's got one hundred eighty-five thousand. Yeah, know. Um, you know, so you, so you know, just make sure that the PCV system's working and that you've got adequate crankcase vent. But you know, so you put a distributor in it; it's not a big deal. Um, yeah, but I tried to put a uh, intake manifold in that. That was a fun job. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got um, a metal gasket. I was like, what? Yeah. Are you supposed to put anything on those gaskets, or you just put it in? No, you put it in dry. Um, yeah, because that's it's, what I did. it's 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 got it's it's a crushed shoulder gasket, right? It's got raised yeah. ribs on it. Um, yeah. yeah, you're just gonna you're just gonna you know put it in. That's what you need all your bent wrenches for to get around all the uh, all the obstructions. Yeah. Um, but, that was tough. <laughs> yep. So, but I'll tell you what, I bet you that car goes another hundred thousand miles if you. Yeah, it's, it, it's a good car. It does, yeah. I took the uh, valve cover off. It was spotless under there. I couldn't yeah. believe it. Yeah, you keep doing oil changes and maintaining it. Yeah, it's. That's the way they were. Um, you know, that's that's the way they were, a lot of the older cars. I can't say that about the newer stuff. The newer stuff is made better, and I think the engines hold up and the transits hold up and so on, but the electronics are going to be the undoing on the newer cars because yeah. the newer cars, when they get, you know, it's like a computer. It'll run forever and ever and ever until it gets a bad connector or an intermittent electrical gremlin, and I think that's what's going to undo the newer cars in terms of reliability, but we'll, we'll we'll see. We'll see where that goes. You were going to say something? I didn't mean to cut you off, yeah. Fred. Yeah, I got a uh, another question. I got an 86 Chevy pickup with a 350. What do you think a good carburetor is for that? Two-barrel, four-barrel? Four-barrel. Um, you're looking for performance, or you're just looking for... No, just a regular driver. It has a quarter junk on there now. I just wanted to go with, like, a Holly or an Edelbrock. I'm not sure what to go with. Yeah, I'd probably go with either or, but I got to tell you, that Quadrajet, depending upon what it is... Um, now in '86, what sort of computer controls were on that, if anything? There's there, nothing now. There's I nothing. took everything off. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean a basic Quadrajet. Um, yeah, but it has the electronic in it. You know, what I mean, it has that plug-in in there. So it does. I got everything on hook. Yeah, but okay. You know, well then, what's what's wrong with finding an older Quadrajet, rebuilding that, and bolting that on? You've got the linkage. Yeah, that's, that's well, probably what I should do, right? Right. Well, because the linkage is the linkage is there. The fuel feed line will be there. There'll be the least amount of modification. Um, right. You know, back in the day, the original Quadrajets were a great carburetor. The metering rods were easy to change. You can work your choke adjustment no problem. Uh, yeah, you know, the only thing I didn't like about it is that the high idle. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Well, you get an older one, you'll be able to you'll be able to adjust choke on time. You'll be able to adjust fast idle easier. Um, yeah, the 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 mid '80s up through till the end of carburetor production um, wasn't great. But you know, we right. listen. We just went through this. It's a couple of years now, but we had a customer bring us an older old four four two. It was like a seventy one four four two that had a Carter AFB on it, and the Carters were okay, but. You know, we on that car, we wanted the original look, and as easy as going on eBay, we found the serial number carb that we wanted, purchased it. I mean, we bought the carburetor for cheap, bought the carb kit for next to cheap, and rebuilt it. And when the car was done, it looked right. And, you know, that's the other thing I'm thinking about with your truck. If you're going to run, you've got the stock cast iron manifold on it. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know what? You clean up some of the emission control stuff and put a regular Quadrajet on there. I think it'll look better. Yeah. Maybe a little bit of an air cleaner or even the factory air cleaner. 
Uh, you know what? Back in the day, I was always taught, Fred, mild goes wild, and it generally works better. So, yeah. you know, unless you're really looking to start having to play and modify and spend more money, I think in the long yeah. run, I think a regular production quadrajet will work best for you for that application for what you're trying to do. How about those Holly fuel injection systems? You ever hear anything about those? Yeah, they work great. They really do. Oh, but, they do? You know, you're 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 going from spending, you know, twenty five hundred dollars. Right. right. You know, like you, you you just you just raised your budget from two hundred bucks for a carb and a rebuild kit to twenty five hundred to three grand. They work phenomenal. Yeah. Um, do you need it? Are you going to use it? Is it just something to drool over? Um, you know, listen. I was at breakfast this morning. All right. Let's just talk. You sound like a motorhead like me. All right. Oh yeah, I've been out a while. I was I was I was at breakfast this morning and I got a I got a where was I? I was on Facebook waiting for my eggs to show up and I got a solicitation message on Facebook. Somebody out there is making keychains in the shape of a five speed transmission shifter. You know, it's wow. like it's like a little gadget. Fourteen ninety five and you can order them in colors and it's you know, first gear, second gear, third gear, fourth gear, fifth gear, reverse. And I looked at it and I said, Wow, that's really cool. I gotta get about six of those. And then I thought about it. You know what? It's more tchotchke. It's more stuff. How much do I need? All right? right. And and I always think about that in terms of trying to put a car together. You know, I'm doing this 72 Monte Carlo. And, you know, I just went through the suspension thing in my head this past week, and I finally decided I, I'm, I'm going to run a factory sway bar. I went out and I purchased a replica inch and a quarter front sway bar and the inch sway bar for the rear. You know, I probably spent, Oh, six, seven hundred dollars total on suspension between springs, shocks, and sway bars. I could have gone for the from the A body team up in Detroit, or there's another guy down in North Carolina. I could have gone the the three thousand dollar Hotchkiss flat out go around the corners at nine hundred miles an hour. What am I going to do with it? You know, where am right. I where am I going? And and one of the things I've learned, and I always try to get people to think about, and I mean, it's your money, you spend it where you want. But always think in terms of how you're going to use the vehicle, because once you get past the pop the hood at the cruise night and everybody goes, wow, and they give you a couple of strokes and you feel better, you got to drive the car. And, you know, once you start doing the fuel injection kit, then the valve covers have to go. Then you've got to start to paint a few things. And before you know it, you're doing a restoration. And that 86 truck that you wanted to go out for ice cream on Friday night to hang out with, all of a sudden you're afraid to drive it. And it becomes this whole nother animal than what you intended. So be yeah, careful. I bought the truck in '88. <laughs> I had it a couple of years. Right. So you've had it a couple of years. Be careful how you spend your money. You know what? Yeah. Put, put a quadrajet on it. Drive it. In, drive it this season. See how you like it. If you don't like the way yeah. the quadrajet works, then you know. Then yeah, maybe we'll talk about it. Manufacturer, right? Right. Make all new linkages and double. Right. You know, obviously, yeah. So. It's it's one thing I've learned about playing with cars, Fred. It's very easy to spend money. All right. Oh yeah. And it's very easy, and you know, conserving money and making more out of less—that's the real art of hot rodding. Because that's really what hot rodders were. The original hot rodders were recyclers and reinventors and reusers. Right. All right. It wasn't right. just Monster a ma- garage. Everything. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, it it really wasn't a matter of it really wasn't a matter of you know just as as much money as your credit card will allow to you know. Bang, zoom, and just order stuff and bolt it on. But try a Quadrajet and uh, rebuild that, and I think you'll feel better about the vehicle in the long run. I really do. 855-560-9900. Ron and Andy and the Car Doctor coming back right after this. Hey, welcome back. 
Welcome back. Why don't the car doctor run along here? Let's get over to Hodger. Is that Hodger or Roger in Kentucky? Um, Roger, are you there, sir? Yes, I'm here. Yes, sir. Is it Roger or Hodger? They've got it spelled wrong. Hold on. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, how can I help you today? Uh, well, I was explaining to the gentleman that I have um, I've tried to. I have a 2014 uh, Jetta Volkswagen Jetta, okay. uh, 1.8 uh, turbo, right. turbo engine. Uh, it has almost almost 80,000 miles on it. And uh, when I uh, the the, the uh, map sensor, uh, the manifold absolute pressure sensor, when I disconnect. Uh, the the sensor, the engine starts well with no problem. But when I try to reconnect it again, the engine shut, shuts off uh, immediately. Okay. And I went and to, took it to a mechanic shop. They told me maybe the sensor is bad. So I went to Volkswagen and bought a new uh, original OEM sensor. I put a new sensor. It does the same thing still. Oh. And then I took it to another mechanic shop. They told me possibly there's a... A valve train is bad. Well, uh, let's yeah, we're kind of we're kind of jumping the gun here. When this when this okay. problem started, was this a case that you know it started one day and the next day you went out and it wouldn't start? Yes. All right. And before you know what what led you? Did you say mass airflow sensor or the MAP sensor? M A P or M A F? M A P. M A P. Okay. When you when what led you to the map sensor? Just out of curiosity, I mean, just it, it just seemed like the closest and the easiest thing to unplug, or had you done some research? No, the, the technician they they run the their their scanner and they said the more likely the map sensor is bad. And then they told me the mechanic shop. They told me get a brand new one from the uh, original uh, from the dealership. So okay. that's why I went. I bought a very expensive one, almost a hundred dollars. Right. I believe it was ninety hundred dollars around this number, and then when put that one, and then uh, reconnected uh, the, the engine was working, but when we reconnected the sensor, the map sensor, the engine shuts off immediately. Okay, so replacing parts based on a fault code, because it sounds like what you're saying is, did it have a fault code for the map sensor? Uh, it gave us a P one o eight. Okay, so it, it, it had a fault code, and they just went right to, if it has the fault code, the component's bad. Is that a, is that a fair statement? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so what I would like to see somebody do is functionally test the sensor. All right? Okay. Uh, you know, just because you have a cold doesn't mean uh -huh. I'm going to give you the same medicine that I give the seven guys that came before you or the three that come after you. Everybody's different, and every failure is different to a degree. Okay. So one of the things a good mechanic has to do is functionally test that component. He also has to be smart enough, quite frankly, to look beyond that component failure. You've always got to okay. play you've always got to play what if in auto repair. All right? And okay. and yes. I, I I think you know my point. You've always got to play what if I change this part without testing it and it still has the same okay. problem, where will I go next? And then start to look for that. So okay. what what generally causes a map sensor fault mean is is either that the the engine controller the PCM doesn't see proper response signal you know it's it's looking to see that manifold vacuum is 18 inches at idle and it sees 12 or it sees okay. maybe it sees too much maybe it sees 
26, and it says, how can that be? For the sensor to have a component failure and, and trigger a code in any situation under the hood, the, the sensor in question had or gave the onboard computer a spat of logic. It just said, hey, I'm this. The computer looks at that, and it looks at the other 14 sensors on any vehicle, and it says, well, wait a minute. Everybody else is doing this, and you're saying that. You must be at fault. It can't physically see or have the ability to test it to the nth degree, and that's why I say a functional test of the sensor is the next step. So it could be as simple as a handheld vacuum gauge with a voltmeter hooked up to the sensor, and we sweep test the sensor. Does it does it match spec, or it could be some other things depending upon what exact fault code and what situation we're in. I would go back to the mechanic that diagnosed it and ask him to functionally test the MAP sensor circuit and see what he comes back with. Now, if he looks at you and he says, well, there's no way to do it, find another mechanic because you're at the wrong one. All right? It's as, it's as simple as that, if you understand what I'm saying. All right, but there's got to be a way to functionally test that map sensor and verify the circuit rather than just replace the part. Okay, um, you know it could be that the sensor is good. How do you know what the what the what the vacuum reading is on the other side? How do you know the electrical circuit is good? How do you know that it has power, ground, and signal? How do you know that the wire isn't broken leading up to the PCM? So there's a lot to consider and a lot to look at. You do that, and you give me a call back next week, 855-560-9900. The Car Doctor's coming back right after this. Hey, welcome back. Ron and the the Car Doctor. Well, I just I love that music. That's just the best. Um, what a two hours this has been, right? Well, I thought it was a lively two hours, and it did move right along. Um, interesting email. Bob Brennan. Bob Brennan's a regular listener to this radio show, and he's he's chimed in from time to time. And he wrote me an email during the week that artificial intelligence vans are real, but they'll make us, um, well, okay, they'll make us suck at driving, warns Boffins. Um, he saw this article on the registered.co.uk website regarding how artificial intelligence vehicles where drivers only need to be in control occasionally will make drivers worse at driving, much like airplane pilots have become. I guess that's true, right? That with autonomous self-flying planes, you know, planes just about fly themselves today, uh, you know, are there any real pilots left? And, and to what degree level are pilots really in control of the plane? Which, you know, if you're listening to this podcast and you're flying, don't look out the window. Well, they do. Uh, the, the pilot is responsible to bring it in and to take it up. Right. But but while it's in flight, it's pretty much the computer doing everything. Right. And, and, and that's an issue. So Bob also writes that the article also points out that one of the biggest issues he sees with autonomous vehicles, which is this, they only work with infrastructure when the infrastructure of the roads and the highways are all upgraded. But looking at the roads around New Jersey and New York, they can't fix the potholes or the lighted traffic signals. So what makes folks think that they can find the money to upgrade the roads and keep them working? This stops working when you get into rural areas of the United States. Tech and automotive firms, he continues, are pushing driverless car technology on society rather than there being a big demand for it in the opinion of the Transport Research Laboratory. I think that's true because I really haven't found anybody that wants you know, self-driving cars to that nth degree. I think there's a place for it. I think it will help. You know, the older population get around. I think it will help the vision impaired get around. I think that it will help, you know, the the, 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 the person that, you know, can't see it all or, and so forth get around. But I don't know that we really need it. 
Um, in a White House paper published today, Transport Research Laboratory fellows' opinion that there is only strong technology push for autonomous vehicles, but also that the potential benefits will only be delivered only if society accepts and adopts automated vehicles, something we've been talking about for a very long time here. Where will it all end? I don't know. I do know this. I'm Ron and Andy in the car, Doctor. The mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya.